latest from Tokyo 20. Welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. The IOC Coordination Commission for Tokyo 2020 has just finished its latest visit to the Olympic City, just about two years away from the Olympic Games. And during the past week, Around the Rings correspondent Aaron Bauer has been in Tokyo covering the IOC Commission visit, checking into other things, speaking to other officials, uh, people like the Tokyo Metropolitan Governor, all during this visit to Tokyo. And he joins us via Skype from Tokyo before winging home to the United States. Aaron, good to talk to you here this morning. Good morning in Tokyo. Thank you. Uh, Always good to talk with you, Ed, about what's going on. Well, this meeting, as I say, comes with two years to go. Uh, You were there a year ago for the Coordination Commission, uh, but maybe more importantly, you've watched Rio up close in its final two years to the Olympic Games, Uh, and that might be a a good place to start this comparison. How, How does it compare to what you've seen two years before the Games in the in the Rio experience? I think the biggest contrast regarding four years ago, two years to Rio, and two years to Tokyo is you have IOC heads publicly, I know you loathe this word, but praising the deadlines and schedule for Tokyo 2020. And I don't think the IOC ever thought there would be a problem with how Tokyo 2020 would prepare itself in terms of meeting deadlines, making sure things were done on time or even early. Now, just over two years from Rio 2016, um, John Coates and Patrick Hickey famously spoke out very firmly about how Rio was behind schedule. The IOC was incredibly disappointed, and they the IOC quickly moved and appointed Gilbert Feli to live in Rio de Janeiro so that there was someone liaising with the organizing committee every day uh, but, because but, that's yeah there that's were, how bad things were yeah there were some uh, some warning signs that things were not on track that things were not getting done as they needed to be done and there were some big infrastructure projects uh, the bus rapid transit system uh, the subway system as well as the uh, venues needed for the olympic games not quite the same thing in in tokyo no, it's actually quite the opposite. Um, the controversies regarding um, Tokyo have been cost. And it, Tokyo is a very expensive city. And politicians who are in charge have seized on that and said, well, we have to make sure that the taxpayers who are funding the new venues, who are funding infrastructure upgrades that we're doing, who are funding the metropolitan and national government budgets are being fulfilled. And there were some feasibility studies done two years ago. So if we look four years ago, Rio was a disaster in that sense, um, in terms of deadlines being missed. Two years ago, Tokyo started the warning signs of rising costs. One year ago, we see the IOC step in and really set a budget, say, this is what we're going with. And then everyone has to work with this and move forward. And then... We're seeing that again slightly in this coordination commission, but it's not for major projects such as building a um, facility to house sports. It's more, well, the IOC executive board 
is going to set the competition schedule, so we will then have to work with that going forward. That was the tone out of Tokyo 2020 this week. And uh, there is talk of more budget cuts, uh, up to $100 million more, according to John Coates. Uh, what else can they trim, trim from the budget? Have you know what? What will be the? What will we see the result of these cuts? Yeah, this was a, a question I put during the closing press conference because it was discussed. And you know, for our for our readers and listeners, this is really where you get in the weeds with how the IOC works with an Olympics. It's deciding whether or not to open the Olympic Village two days later than traditionally had been in other Olympics, so that you can reduce tons of money by not having to pay the staff two extra days there because it takes 20,000 people to run an Olympic village, including the athletes. That's, you know, costs like that, how many lounges you need at different venues, that's constantly up for um, interpretation. You know, which buildings have air conditioning inside and outside because of Tokyo's extreme heat which will be a story over the next two years. So it's it's the nitty details, nitty details that they're really looking at right now to present to the world, showing we can continually drop this budget down until the games open. Famously in Rio de Janeiro, we heard the warning about uh, from the press press services in Rio that there would be no budget for biscuits. In the uh, coffee in the main at the coffee table in the main press center, have we gotten that far in uh, in Tokyo yet? Well, I think if if the IOC is to believe at face value, their new systems of putting stuff in the cloud will reduce the budget for cabling in the IBC and the MPC, which could free up some money for coffee and snacks and to snacks. make the media happy and snacks. Uh, what's the mood like in Tokyo? What do you get a sense of how people are feeling about the Olympic Games? Do they care? I think we're reaching the point of Olympic fatigue in a seven-year project. Obviously, there's excitement right at the beginning as the project continues to go. It's a long project. Two years to go, not as big a milestone as one year to go, which is when you can really tangibly feel everything. I think... Tokyo 2020 could use a shot in the arm to get the people excited. Um, there's a lot going on in Japan. There's been tons of political scandals at the national level. There's been a major, major disaster this week, which has claimed the lives of over 200 people Those in Western floods, Japan. Floods in Western Japan, yes. Yeah, that has dampened the mood. So I think, you know, people will tell you they support the Olympics, and that's that's a fairly national mindset, national mood. But when it comes to, are they excited about the Olympics in this moment? There really hasn't been anything to get excited about. The theme with these Olympics have been, let's streamline the budget. Um, let's move some venues around. It's the deadlines. Everything kind of seems to be shifting. So there's no real tangible goal yet because we haven't reached that. So I think the Olympics could use a shot in the arm. And that's what Tokyo 2020 is really trying to do with this two years to go celebration, because they're showing the mascots for the first time in, in the public. And this is a mascot crazed country. You know, they're really just trying to get the people excited about the idea of the Olympics again, because I think worldwide people aren't excited about the idea of the nitty gritty details of the Olympics. 
they want to they want to experience the actual games, the excitement, the atmosphere, the competition. Forget about the the, the seven year run up to the games. Exactly. Um, the mascot la- launch is coming. You mentioned. Um, uh, I think next week, Ju- July twenty fourth is the two year to go mark. Um, how do you think those uh, mascot that mascot will be? Uh, Welcome. This is going to be unveiled as a plush toy, licensed merchandise. With the uh, mascot, will be available from from next week. Yeah, I think it 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 depends on the names, and I think it depends on the marketing strategy. Um, as we saw in Pyeongchang, the mascots didn't really have a buzz around them before the Olympics, and then once the Olympics start, the way they marketed. Um, Suharang especially, they didn't necessarily have to do it with Bandavi because Suharang set everything up. You know, they showed it getting stuck indoors, and the Korean people just thought that was the funniest thing, fell in love with the mascot, and it turned out to be one of the biggest sellers during the Olympics. Beforehand, maybe not so much. I think with Tokyo, the names will be incredibly important, and how they present those mascots to the world, and how people can have a personal connection with them. Um, they really worked with the kids, having the kids vote for the mascots. Now, can that translate into a tangible product that people rally around and get excited about? One of the most famous mascots in the world is a is a character here from Japan, Pikachu, in Pokemon. You know, could it have that effect that it's worldwide and ubiquitous? We don't know. It, it really depends how they present it, but it has that potential. Uh, you mentioned the uh, hot weather there. Um it's no surprise to anybody who's been to Tokyo during the, the summer months. It's one of the hot and muggy places to be in the world. And uh, this month is uh, no uh, is fulfilling that expectation right there. Um, what do you think of the heat? What are they going to have to do about it? Uh, the heat's it's draining. It's... I love hot, humid, and muggy weather, and this is it's, it's testing my limits. It's very comparable to Atlanta in the summer, and you know that's just a sweltering heat that doesn't go away. And this is compacted, com- uh, compounded by the fact there are 23 million people here, buildings really close together. That adds to the boiling nature of it. So I think the athletes who compete outdoors will need to be wary of this. They've definitely competed in these conditions before. It won't be new for anyone. But at the same time, they're going to have to protect those athletes. They're going to have to have water for the spectators. They're going to have to educate people about heat exhaustion before the Olympics begin. Because this is a serious threat. It's no joke, um, you know, the heat-related illnesses that can come from these temperatures that are here. It's... I, you spend 20 minutes walking around, and I feel like I have to put a new shirt on sometimes. So they're, they're, it's one of the challenges that they still face, and they don't have a concrete solution for yet. But we'll see. It, it, it's something that has to be on the minds of every organizer. Well, there we go. Aaron Bauer, our correspondent on the road this week in Tokyo, Japan, following the meeting of the IOC Coordination Commission. Uh, travel well in your return back to Atlanta. Uh, I'm excited to come back. I had a great time here. Um, always love visiting Tokyo. It was a pleasure. And it is a great city. Thanks very much for joining us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. 
I'm editor Ed Hula. For 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com. <laughs> <laughs>